This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship service from St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on November 19, 2023. For more information, visit www.stpaulsboxhill.org.au. Word of God uh, for the sermon, and there's a connection with the uh, previous uh, gospel. And this is, I wanted to talk about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. Our Lord Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that, you may see, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're thinking about the last aspect of gospel investing, aren't we? That we want to invest the gospel, we want to be salt and life, light in the world, so that our Lord can get a wonderful return on all that he has done for his creation and for you and for me. While on holiday, uh, Denise and I, my wife, uh, we like to visit other Lutheran co congregations when they're within vicinity of where we are staying. And uh, that's a lot of fun to do that. At one place we visited at morning tea time, the hall was set out very neatly with five oval tables, you see. And people were sitting around having their morning tea. But there, and there were plenty of spaces at each of the tables. But there was one table there sitting alone was an Asian gentleman with his son. And I must admit that annoyed me, and in my anger I said to those people who were sitting there, are you shunning this poor person sitting alone on the table? Well, they must have thought, this is the visitor from hell. <laughs> but anyway, I carried on uh, and we uh, had some morning tea with them. I sat with this fellow and met his son and talked with him for a while, even though I was a visitor. Yeah, sometimes churches can be clicky, can't they? Um, but I think in the end, I think in the end, it takes an effort, doesn't it? Especially if you perceive that there may be some kind of barrier. It could be an accent, okay? We have an accent too, don't we? Uh, or it could be the person is unknown to you and you haven't yet broken the ice. There could be a, a number of reasons. But surely if we are to be salt and light. Our Lord Jesus is asking us to be outgoing people, isn't he? To be outgoing people, to, be, to build a bridge, to make contact with others, to be friendly and hospitable. So that's the first thing I want to talk about this morning. If we're to be salt and light, we want to be hospitable towards others. And uh, that's going to take an an effort, isn't it? 
It's not just simply good enough to say hello as someone is walking into the church. I mean, I do that when I'm walking in our local park. I say hello to complete strangers, but I'm really not being hospitable. That's just simply a civil greeting, isn't it? Hospitality has surely has got to be more than that mean, more than that. As I said, it's to be an outgoing person. Okay, so let's do a role play, and I'll do it. I'm not going to call anybody forward and embarrass them. I'll embarrass myself only. So I'm just going to go through a, a quick role play. And you have to imagine you're in this situation. You see a couple walking into the church. You haven't seen them before. So you go up to them and you say, Hi, my name's Wayne. And you introduce yourself to them. You say, um, Are you new here today? Is this the first time you're coming to our church? And they say, Well, yes, it is. And you reply, Well, that's great. Uh, let me show you around and take you inside. By the way, uh, my name is Wayne once again. And so they say, <laughs> yep, Bill and Carol. Carol and Bill. Nice to meet you, Carol and Bill. Come in. I will show you around the place. You invite them to sit with you, and then you're ready to explain to them the procedure that takes place during communion, because communion, is, of course, is a very complicated thing, isn't it? Okay, so you do that. After the service, you invite them to morning tea. Would you like to come with me to morning tea? And you're talking with them. You don't leave a visitor alone because that only leads to social awkwardness, doesn't it? You know that when you've been in that situation and so you're not going to allow that to happen to these visitors to your church. So you take them in, but it's time for you to go home or you want to talk to someone else. So this is how you do it. Carol and Bill, I'd like you to meet Shandy. And you've just interrupted a conversation. Why? Because visitors have priority, don't they? And this is morning tea after all. So, and the food can wait. <laughs> so you do that. And Shandy, who is, of course, aware, because this is a culture in the congregation, there, she's very much aware of what's going on and what she's called to do. So she stops her conversation and converses with Carol and Bill. And if she wants to move away, she does exactly the same so that they are never on their own. And how do you think Carol and Bill will feel about their experience when they've gone to a church like that? They're going to feel really good. They've experienced people who are salt and light, haven't they? And they may come back. Maybe they're searching for a new church family. You could be it because you've practiced that hospitality. You've been the Lord's salt and light. Really? But it can happen. It could be that they're seeking Christ himself, whom they haven't met, and they're exploring Christianity. So according to the Lord, you are doing a good thing. You're doing a good deed or a good work. That's what they've experienced because you have represented the Father. You see, outreach, doing good, evangelism, sharing the gospel, whatever you want to call it, it begins with love, doesn't it? It's because you love that other person. You love yourself, <laughs> but you also think about other people as well. And you want to express that love. Not your own native love, but the love that comes from heaven. 
this heavenly love that belongs to our Father, so that people, when receiving that love, they perceive the very character and nature of God and eventually acknowledge that and glorify our Heavenly Father. Isn't that a return on the gospel? Isn't that a profit from the gospel investment? So let's talk about the gospel. What does it mean that we are salt? We often think of salt of the earth, light of the world. Of course, it has a direction, doesn't it? So there's a job there for us to do. But behind it is the gospel. We are salt. We are light. Salt has preservative power. It flavors things, doesn't it? It was once a means of exchange. Soldiers were paid in bags of salt in the ancient world because it was valuable. Light, well, we know how good light is. I don't have to explain that, do I? So our Lord is saying, you are the brilliant people in this world. Think of that. He's saying, you are the brilliant people in this world. It's not the stars, the great sports stars and the heroes of Australia who shine. It's you. You shine. And wherever you are, you're illuminating the room. You're illuminating your neighborhood. And all my Christian people are illuminating the world. Think of that. Think of that when something is bland and boring, you're bringing flavor to a situation. You're a flavor explosion. That's what our Lord is saying. Well, we might think that can't be us. We don't have that sort of attraction or influence over people. That must be someone else that the Lord Jesus is thinking of. Maybe our politicians who have the levers of legislation and they can create real change in Australia. Or the titans of industry have great wads of money and they can do big things. Like Gina Reinhart, you know, you can buy a team or something like that if the team doesn't divorce you. Okay, so they're the people that our Lord's thinking of. These people have real pulling power and moving power, not me. Can't be me. But our Lord is thinking of you and he is thinking of me as being salt and light. Not because of any special qualities within us or any abilities or performance, but simply because we are bearers of the gospel. We carry him wherever we are. By faith, he dwells in us. And so if he dwells in us, then we must have light and we really must have salt. So how do we communicate that? How are we going to get that across when it comes to the time when we have to articulate the gospel and put it into words? Well, I think a nifty way is to remember a story. Tell a story. Everyone's interested in a story. A story is an easy way to remember. So I've got this story from Bernie Powell's little book called Telling Stories, uh, Bringing Muslims Home. He's a wonderful evangelist amongst Muslim people here in uh, Melbourne. So I've adapted this story, okay? And it goes like this. Try and remember this, okay? Because you want to use this when you're being salt and light in certain situations, in 
uh, situations that are right for this story. Okay, so it goes like this. There were three brothers who owned a farm. And uh, this was a very unique farm because anyone could visit this farm, stay as long as you like, and eat whatever produce was made by this farm. The fish from the lakes, the meat from the paddocks, the, uh, the loaves of bread and, and all the fruit and vegetables that were there. It was all free. And because it was free, people were so happy. They were enjoying each other's company and uh, there was so much um, pleasure in this, in this farm. But there was an area of the farm that was cordoned off with a high fence. You remember the details? So pay attention, because <laughs> there'd be a test afterwards. No, they won't. And on the fence was a notice, right? Keep out. Do not enter. Danger. Hidden mine shafts, quicksand. Do not attempt to climb the fence, so on and so forth. So one fellow thought he knew better than the three brothers who owned the farm, and he was reading the sign and said, the brothers must be keeping something from us. There's something hidden there that they don't want us to have. So he cl climbed the fence, took a few steps, and duly fell into the hole. There was quicksand at the bottom for the sake of our story. There's quicksand at the bottom. And the more he struggled and tried to free himself, the deeper and deeper he sank until it was up to his neck. So he called for help, and the three brothers came running. And the strong brother said, you know, I could lower someone in this hole and rescue him. And the brave brother said, tie the rope around me, and I'll go down into the hole and rescue him. And the th third brother, the gentle brother, said, I'll go to the edge of the hole and direct operations and comfort this poor soul who's in trouble. You get the story, don't you? Okay, so that's what happened. The brave brother went down, untied his rope, tied it to the trespasser. He was raised to the top of the hole, but as he got near the surface, he accidentally kicked the sides and the hole collapsed on the brave brother, brother below, and he was suffocated. Now, the man who had done and acted foolishly, he remembered this great sacrifice all of his life, and he decided to dedicate himself to the memory of the person who had rescued him, and to do good to those around him, and to tell the story of his rescue. But meanwhile, the strong brother and the gentle brother began digging. And after three days, they reached the brave brother at the bottom of the hole. Yes, they pulled him out of the hole, and the strong brother began pumping on his chest a number of times. And the um, gentle brother breathed into his mouth, and miraculously, he came alive. Well, I think you know what the allegory is about. It's the story of our salvation, isn't it? And the three brothers are the Holy Trinity. And the farm is the kingdom of God that people can freely enter and uh, enjoy the joy of the three brothers. The fence, of course, that might be a little bit harder to explain to a listener, but that's the law of God, what he expects of human beings, and the sign, of course, the commandments and how we break those commandments. Now, when you are telling this story, the crunch point is the hole. So you ask the person, what is 
the whole. What is that? Okay, so you're asking the person, what do you think the story is? They won't know. So you get to this point after explaining the other details. What is the whole? So now this is where we participate again. Think of the whole that people, or the holes that people get themselves into. Think of the whole that you may have been once or twice in your life. Just think about that for a moment because this is where you participate. Now, this is your opportunity to shout at your pastor and just shout and answer. What do you think the whole could be? It'd be more than one answer. Okay. Yep, the naughty things. Temptation. Temptation, yeah. Money. <laughs> Money, now you're going to be on to it. Anyone else from this side? Yeah, good. Good answer. Okay, all of those things. Let's look at them on our screen. So you mentioned that. I'll just quickly read through them. Being a victim, suffering injustice, pain, disease, and accident, death, grief, loss of meaning and purpose, serious wrongdoing, abuse and violence, broken relationships, pride, arrogance, and greed, materialism and consumerism, living for money or family, substance abuse, hatred, and racism, addiction, and so on. We could mention many more things, because from time to time, we have, human beings have a habit of getting themselves into serious trouble. Now, when you are being salt and light to someone, you won't mention sin. That's not putting your best foot forward, is it? Because it's starting with something negative. You've got to convince them there's something wrong with them. And most people will duck for cover when you are firing bullets. So that's not the best way of doing it. The best way is to just talk about the experience of life, the trouble we get ourselves into from time to time, and how we have experienced deliverance. Sometimes it can be miraculous, something that is so perfectly arranged it couldn't be human. Other times we know um, that the Lord is there. That is the point I want to say. The Lord is with us in our whole. Okay? That's the message of the gospel. He has come down to us and lived amongst us and joined us in our suffering and our difficulties. He's in the hole with us. He'll give us the strength we need to endure, the hope to carry on, and the experience, and it is an experience, of his presence and love in our lives. So, you're talking to someone Eventually, a person finds out you're a Christian, and this is what they might say. Our religion starts wars. Now, unless you're a great apologist, that may not be uh, an easy thing to rebut. It can be rebutted. But remember the story. So you're thinking of that, oh, I've got a story here. How do I get to it? Well, you say, thanks very much for that comment. Yeah, sometimes that could be true. But can I tell you a story? <laughs> and immediately you're on your home turf, aren't you? Because you've brought the conversation back to something that you know. And you get to the crunch point, remember? What do you think the whole is? A great way of communicating the gospel and telling the whole story of Jesus' message. Let me end this rather long sermon. I don't normally preach this long, but it's more been like a workshop, hasn't it? Okay, um, during COVID, 
a, a, an Anglican congregation not far from this place did something wonderful. They were salt and light to their community. They heard that there are a lot of foreign students that were stranded in Australia. They couldn't get home. So when they were able to, they set up their car park with tables of food so that they could support these students who were running out of money, and some of them were actually going hungry. They practiced social distancing, but they also mentioned the gospel. They explained what was motivating them to do what they were doing. So they used this opportunity that looked like a disaster to... Um, return a profit on the Lord's investment. They were salt and light to their community. Isn't that a great thing to do? And that's where, what, how we can act corporately. Think of a need and fill it is the old adage of evangelism. Think of a need. Go around your local community prayerfully, wondering what is it uh, that people need and how might we as a church meet that need? And that's a good thing. A congregation of this size could think of two or three, maybe even five activities where you are regularly meeting the unchurched. And eventually you will establish those friendships and relationships, good relationships, where you can build a bridge and cross it, meet them, and tell them the gospel, the good news. So let's remember who we are, how our Lord has appointed us and made us salt and light. He's changed our lives. And how we want to be hospitable to people, not just saying hello, more than that, actually opening our lives to them and inviting them in. We want to know the words to say. Think of it as a story, and then you're able to explain the detail of the gospel. And finally, as a congregation, work together as a team uh, to, to build a bridge to the community to meet the unchurched. So let us pray. Dear Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that uh, you've given us such exciting work so that we can be in your workshop, the workshop of the Holy Spirit, and see how you manifest your power, not only in our lives, but in the way you move and act in the lives of others. We pray these things in Jesus' name.